following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 897 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And as always, I am joined by your co-host, the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly, Brittany Page. So I'm going to try really hard to not be a low-energy Jeb, but we're having a problem with our dog being... What I would call a nah. And <laughs> she, she, she often is a nah dog. She's being a nah. And she <laughs> is starting this thing. It's been happening for the past couple of weeks where she is waking up several times during the night and uh, then wakes me up to take her out. And I she she does go potty when she goes out. It's not like she's lying, but I just feel like it's not I love how you're ascribing absolutely human characteristics to Sweepy. Well, like lying. I, we know that she can be manipulative. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. We, I guess that's true. We know that she can exhibit certain characteristics. Yes, she's manipulative. She is a liar sometimes. She lies. <laughs> and so this is one of those times where I'm wondering, is she being a manipulative liar? It's hard to know. It's hard to know. So she's waking me up. I have to take her out. It is productive. She is doing something when she goes out. But I think she's waking up because she gets overheated and then once she's awake, she's bored and figures, well, why don't I get one of them up so that I'm not alone? And I really don't think it's a an urgency situation because I'll take her out, I'll say go potty, and then it will be the tiniest little poop that you've ever seen. Like it, it did not need to happen. It could have stayed in there, <laughs> continued brewing with additional poops to come out at the same time. It's science. And so... I mean, what do you think is going on with the dog? What 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 do you think? I think that we should uh, have her checked out for this serious lying condition. It's like compulsive lying. It's a problem. Uh huh. Yep. She. We have a morally defect, defective dog. Mm hmm. She's a moral defect. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I want to say thank you to you because. Is even though I look as tired as I do, mm-hmm. I also feel very tired. Even though I get a full night's sleep, because you deal with her, because I have chronic sleep issues. If I wake up, mm-hmm. it's, it's over, over. I'm up. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for dealing with the liar uh, dog that we have. You're you're welcome. And <laughs> this dog that is behind you, by the way, is not Sweepy. That is Popeye. And yes. people sometimes ask about that, about which dog that is. We with, need to get one of Sweep up here. Yeah, we need to put Sweepy up there. If she stops being a manipulative liar, we'll think about it. <laughs> As but, a reward. Yeah, it's <laughs> contingent upon her behavior, I think. But yeah, so anyone, if you have any ideas about what could be going on, why at the age of two a dog suddenly is getting up repeatedly during the night, 
it, with something again that does not seem to be urgent. Maybe she's problems. she's has embodied uh, like an elderly man who has prostate issues and needs to go to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> I'm just look look at this point. You seem desperate. I just want to offer every solution that I can. Thank you. We have we have some good news though. The Patreon end of year gift came in, and we've already started stuffing envelopes. I would say we are probably about a quarter of the way through the envelopes, which is really exciting. And we haven't put them in the mail yet. We kind of do want to put them in the mail together. So I think they're going to go in the mail on Monday. It's very possible you can get them before the holiday, which is exciting. So if you are hearing this for the first time, wish we had the drop. I'm hearing this for the first time. <laughs> if you're hearing this for the first time, we do Let a... Let me tell you, <laughs> I love it when you do Trump. That... You you do a far better Trump than me. I don't. It's so good. It's good. Okay, I feel one more time. Hit me with another no, one, no, real no, quick, because no, no. I feel like I'm being gaslit right now. So no Trump, baby. <laughs> um, the Patreon end of year gift is something we do every year, and it is a surprise, and that we're not going to talk about what it is until people... people start posting pictures of them. Yeah, it slash them on uh, on social media. So quickly getting back to that Patreon end of your gift, if you become a Patreon supporter by the end of the year, you get the Patreon end of your gift. So even though we're putting it in the mail on Monday, if you become a Patreon supporter by the end of the year, by the last day at midnight, you can be at your New Year's Eve celebration and be signing up on Patreon and you can get the end of your gift. If you do that, you will get it. So Patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast is where you go. So we want to thank our new Patreon supporters, Mary Margaret M. Mary Margaret M. Triple M. Eula G. Eula G. Mary Jo F. Mary Jo F. Mia. Mia. Dennis S. Dennis S. Rose M. Rose M. Robert L. Robert L. And a special shout out to Nathan S. Nathan S. Thank you. It looks like Nathan S. became a annual Patreon member, which is also awesome. an option. You can become an annual Patreon supporter and you get 10% off your membership price. Also, one of the main benefits of Patreon is you get the ad-free show. So I will stop going on and on about Patreon, and since you're probably skipping over it anyway, and we <laughs> will get to our first voicemail. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. I just started listening to 896, and I had to call in and comment I am in Missouri, and um, the last time I was pregnant, um, it was my fourth pregnancy, um, I have one child. Um, I've had three, three, three miscarriages, and the last pregnancy I had, I was so apprehensive going into what was supposed to be that first prenatal appointment, and I was told that it was a blighted ovum. What that means is that the embryo and implants and um, it does not grow. So your body thinks you're pregnant, you have all of the pregnancy symptoms, you're exhausted, you have the cravings, you've got all, all of the pregnancy things. It feels like everything is, is going the way it's supposed to be. And then you get to that appointment and you find out that it's not. And um, I, I don't know how much, uh, I, I wouldn't call it gore, but details maybe. Um, I, I guess I'll leave that out. 
long story short, I wound up having a DNC. And technically, a DNC is an abortion because abortion means ending a pregnancy. It, it doesn't matter if that pregnancy is viable or not, but it, it, it's ending the pregnancy. Um, after Roe versus Wade was reversed, they called my doctor. And I said, hey, if I get pregnant again, and the same thing happens, can I have a DNC? And they said, no. It's called an elective termination, and you would not be able to do that. So if I were to get pregnant again, and I would have to find out that there would not be a baby, I would just be stuck. And I can't imagine what that would do to me mentally, because even talking about this, I, I had to steal myself to make this call. I don't want to see any other pregnant person ever have to go through that. Anyone who believes that abortion is is about babies and, and life and, and all of that, they can go fuck themselves right out the window. We are, first of all, thank you for your call. Thank you for the voicemail. Thank you for your story and being willing to share such personal um, personal items with, with uh, the audience at large. When people say that there's a war on women that's being waged by the Republican Party and conservatives in this country, it's not hyperbole. It's not a, a, a political arrow being slung one way. It, it is true. It's not just uh, women who are seeking "quote unquote" convenience abortions that are under that are under attack by Republicans. It is people like this anonymous caller in Missouri. Mm-hmm. It's people like Kate Cox, people who want children, also are are victimized by Republican policies. These family values that are driving these particular draconian, tyrannical, anti-woman, anti-family policies. And there's no way to go into these abortion laws and create a situation where people like Kate Cox and the anonymous caller are able to get what they need and the other people that uh, Republicans want to restrict from accessing abortion are prevented from getting abortion, what ends up happening is it's so messy that you you cannot create a restriction that only restricts the whatever subset of people that Republicans want to prevent from having abortions that they feel like you said, Jesse, are having convenience abortions or whatever the, the term might be. It just ends up being this mess where everyone is being put in a situation that is dangerous, is preventing them from accessing the health care that they need, and is putting them in harm's way, whether it be their life being on the line, whether it be financial ruin, whatever it might be. And that was really the point, I think. They, yeah. don't, they don't care about what actually happens to people on the ground. The whole point was to make it messy, to make it difficult, to make it scary. And there's very little if any thought that goes into these policies because of the fact i mean we've we've witnessed politicians who have uh, changed their minds in idaho in particular there was a state legislator who was like oh yeah i didn't even think about 
what the, some of the ramifications would be. Now that I know them, I'm totally against what I voted for, but it's too late now. They're not thinking through all that drives them is Christian nationalism and um, trying to placate the, the MAGA crowd that absolutely has no care or concern whatsoever for the actual lived experience of people who may or may not uh, end up pregnant. Right. So thank you very much for that call. Uh, it is, again, it's it's so sad that people feel the need to tell these stories but I think it is important for people to hear them. So thank you very much for calling and sharing that. We do have one email to get to before we get to the rest of the show. This is from Christine F. Uh, Greetings. I often listen to your show while at work and do appreciate the perspective you and your crew provide. We're a crew. It's just me and Jesse. Two-person crew. (laughs) However. What's the movie or the, that's like, a gang of people, so yeah, two. So it's technically the smallest possible gang, the, the smallest possible crew. I, I can't think of the movie. Yeah, well, I should have just kept my mouth shut. You are tired, and so when you're <laughs> tired, you aren't able to work through when That's you right. should hold something back and That's when you right. shouldn't. Yeah, so we'll forgive you. Okay, so because I interjected over the crew comment. I screwed up the joke that they're trying to make here. Oh, I screwed it up. By saying however. So there's a however here, which we love when there's a however. So uh, often listen to the show, appreciate our perspective. However, (laughs) on this episode, sorry, I'm not sure what number, but I watched it on 1212. You discussed bigotry and rights, and near the end you advocated, thank you, for gay marriage. But in doing so in those terms, you disparage mine and thousands of other marriages. Would you ever refer to marriage as hetero? I think not. And as long as people continue to use the pejorative gay, same-sex marriages will never be seen as normal, which they are. If you truly believe, believe in equal rights, as I think you do, please help normalize my marriage. It's not gay. It's not same-sex, although my wife and I are, parenthetically, well, lesbian, If you cannot bring yourself to refer to my marriage simply as marriage, please refer to the law that made my marriage finally legal, marriage equality, as that is what it is. Thank you for all you do. Christine F. Uh, This is solid, valid criticism, and I don't remember the episode, but I have for years tried to put in practice, because the media still refers to it as gay marriage, and I don't like the term either, and I'm a little embarrassed that I used it. Like if you go back, gay marriage isn't really in my turn of phrase. Hmm. I say marriage equality. I really try to say marriage equality. Valid criticism, point taken. I will try to do better because it's something that I already feel like I do. So I will try to stop being a dumb fuck. Yeah. So th- <laughs> I we, we like emails like this because this may be something that people who are listening to this are unaware of, too. And and maybe they're out there saying gay marriage and they're unaware of how that lands. Yeah, with- it is otherizing. Yeah. It so- creates a special category of marriage when it's just fucking marriage. Yeah. Same as any. Yes. So thank you, Christine. F, we love to be put in our place, and sometimes we need that, and uh, I think oftentimes, actually. Well, me, I often need to be put in my place. You are usually really on top of shit. 
let's not go crazy. If you too would like to sound off, you'd like to get your voice or your email on the record, ask a question, make a comment, it is 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So one thing that we talk a lot about on the show is the police, police behaving badly, police being racist, police doing things to violate people's rights. The the other thing in conjunction with police is we we end up often talking about Mississippi, too, too much, whether it be raiding and stealing from the welfare fund or just police in general also acting or behaving uh, terribly. Mississippi seems to have a lot of problems, and that is also apparent in this story where a 10-year-old Mississippi boy was arrested for peeing in public. Ugh. And and now, here's, here's what happened, as I understand it. He was at an appointment with his mom. He had to pee. There was no public restroom available for him at this appointment where he was with his mom. And so he went to an area like behind the car as private as possible right. to go to the bathroom because, well, what are you supposed to do if you're a kid and you have to go? You yeah. have to go. So not only did they arrest this child for peeing, the child has now been placed on probation. Quintavious Eason and his family said in a Sanatobia courtroom Tuesday after the 11-year-old was seen relieving himself in a parking lot back in August. Carlos Moore represents the Easton family. He says this whole ordeal has made Quantavius not trust the police. He did not plead guilty to anything. He was not found guilty of anything, uh, but it's an uh, informal adjustment probation. Back in August, the then 10-year-old was with his mother at this attorney's office. Moore said the boy needed to use the restroom, but the office did not have public restrooms. Easton used the restroom near his mother's car when a Sanatobia police officer spotted him. Officers put Easton in a squad car and took the child to the police station. People that he should trust, protect, and serve, he doesn't feel that they uh, treated him fairly and that he would get a fair shake uh, in life through the police or the justice system. Moore says the Easton family is distraught about how a judge or prosecutor could issue probation to an 11-year-old for doing something so many others have done. I think that it is unreasonable that a 10-year-old would be arrested uh, for doing something I did as a uh, as a child growing up in Mississippi. And I'm a successful attorney and a, and a judge in Clarksdale and Grenada. So it's not criminal. Uh, he should have never been in contact with the, with the juvenile justice system for simply urinating uh, discreetly. Others question the motives behind the entire ordeal. Black boys are demonized or criminalized from a young age. Had he been a little white boy urinating discreetly, he would have never been arrested. Eason must serve three months probation and has to check in every month with his mother with a judge. He's also required to write a two-page report about his favorite basketball player, Kobe Bryant. Take this to the highest heights. We're going to file it in federal court, and we're going to fight for justice, and they are going to pay this family for what they have endured. Tavarius Haywood, Action News 5. How many people have, as adults, peed in public without having... Should I put two hands up? ...any I mean, repercussions? I mean, I'm assuming that it is a fair number of people. <laughs> well, think about when you have to go 
when you're a kid, it's not like you're planning ahead. Like, oh, we might be stuck at this appointment where there's no bathroom. I better make sure I, you're a kid. Right. And now he's in the system. Now he's known by authorities and he's been, he's been placed in the system. He's now on probation. He was arrested for peeing outside of his mother's car. There was a line in there, something about, uh, some are questioning the motives. You're goddamn right they should be questioning the motives. This is absolutely a racial issue that one of thousands upon thousands upon thousands for decade after decade after decade, not just in the United States, but specifically in this the horrible state of Mississippi. Well, and it's just a waste of time. I mean, this judge is really going to have this kid come in once a month and talk to him about about what it's wasting everyone's time it's wasting resources yeah. it's it's a waste you're wasting everyone's time the judge should be very embarrassed yeah everyone involved in this should be embarrassed it's horrifying i hope that they do um get some sort of payment or something because it's it's terrible what's what's happening too many terrible stories out of Mississippi. And save the emails. Save your voice. I mean, you can send them if you want to, but it's this is not some uh, some attack of one specific state. It's a state with a history of terrible treatment of black Americans that seems to continue with no end in sight. Um, speaking of creating my own segue and terrible things that continue with no end in sight, Moms for Liberty... And these idiot conservatives who just cannot help themselves uh, by creating controversies around themselves while they are guilty of the thing that they point the finger at everyone else about. Well, and of course, Moms for Liberty is known for these attacks on school boards, wanting to ban books, particularly related to LGBTQ plus issues, related to... Um, sexual content that they allege that is in the books that they don't want their kids to see. And what always ends up happening with these conservatives that are obsessed with sex is that they, in their private lives, seem to be, in the words of Ben Stiller, freaky naughty. (laughs) And find it. (laughs) And, you know, you've seen Dodgeball. Come on, everyone. It's a great (laughs) film, classic film. And that is the case with Bridget. Ziegler, who is the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, who is now embroiled in a sex scandal with her husband, and the the accusation is that her husband has actually been accused of sexual assault. But Real freaking naughty. There, there we go. Is. Jesse always coming through. The <laughs> the 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 other allegation, in addition to her husband being accused of sexual assault, is that they were engaged in a, a three-way relationship. There was a another woman that entered the relationship, and they had a sexual encounter with her. So, of Real course, freaking naughty. this is oh, the... Yeah. And again, that's not... There's no judgment here for people that are watching this, and they're like, you know, you I, I do this, I feel judged. They're Don't angered judged. by the drop. Real. Whatever people like to do, okay? If I see an opportunity for a joke, I'm going to take an opportunity, okay? If we're going to find an opportunity to drop Freaky Naughty, we're going to drop it. So You know why? <laughs> she's not a Christian! <laughs> so, <laughs> so Bridget Ziegler is still in a position of power, and there are now... Uh, and her husband, by the way, I don't know if you mentioned it, the, the chairman of the Florida Republican Party. 
Yeah, so they're they have power. I yeah. mean, they are high up in a position of power where it relates to Republican politics in Florida. And now, because of this threesome situation and her husband being accused of sexual assault, there is pressure on her to resign. Having sex with another woman in a threesome with her husband is not the issue. But when you claim the moral high ground and then you attack the moral integrity of others, the blatant hypocrisy of Mrs. Ziegler and how it reflects on the credibility of this board is a significant concern. Rudolph Lusek is talking about this woman, Bridget Ziegler. Know who their um, candidates are for school board, know where they stand, and hold them accountable. She's a co-founder of the conservative group Moms for Liberty, and on Tuesday was asked to voluntarily resign from the Sarasota County School Board. If you were in support of everyone having, you know, these illicit type of relationships, then that wouldn't matter. Ziegler, a close ally of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, helped author Florida's parental rights in a education law dubbed by critics as the don't say gay bill it removed discussion of sexual orientation and identity from public schools curriculum desantis also appointed her to the board that manages disney's special taxing district the resolution recommends that bridget ziegler immediately take all steps necessary to voluntarily resign now she's under intense criticism for a sex scandal involving her husband christian ziegler the chair of the florida republican party and a woman accusing him of rape. According to an affidavit, the woman told police that there was a planned sexual encounter with both Christian and Bridget Ziegler in October. Bridget canceled, leading the other woman to also cancel, but Christian still showed up at the woman's home. Bridget, who hasn't been accused of criminal wrongdoing, admitted the couple had a previous three-way sexual encounter with the woman, quote, over a year ago, and that it only happened one time. Ms. Ziegler, you have tarnished the soul of the school board here with hypocrisy and duplicity. Ziegler sat stoically through the three hours of public comment at a school board meeting Tuesday night and gave no indication of stepping down from the school board as her husband is being investigated. As people may know, I serve on another public board and uh, this issue did not come up and we were able to forge ahead with the business of the board. Still, she got an earful from the community. Resign. The majority of those that showed up criticized her, though she did have some support. What an adult does and her private life is hers. It's not for you to judge. But some in the community are pointing to Ziegler's hypocrisy in passing judgment on others. We hear about all of those hypocrites for my entire life. It's always do as I say, not as I do. The fallout from the sex scandal and the criminal investigation has been swift. A Moms for Liberty chapter in Pennsylvania split from the national group and top Republican officials in Florida, including Governor DeSantis, have called on Christian Ziegler to resign. I don't know that you have any any real standing uh, with, with that hanging over you. In a statement, Christian Ziegler's attorney said, quote, we are confident that no charges will be filed and Mr. Ziegler will be completely exonerated. I guess that's one way of putting it, is do as I say, not as I do, or or threesomes for me and none for thee. These people, listen, I've been talking about this for months and months and months, if not years since Donald Trump came on the scene, but hypocrisy shouldn't be something that we just accept. It, it shouldn't be just a, oh yeah, what a bunch of hypocrites. It should be unacceptable 
for our leaders, whether that be school board or whether that be the president of the United States. There should be a single standard, and if you violate it, you're on the outs. When you have power, political power especially, you should be held to a higher standard. So whoever the, 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 the commenter was that says, this is whatever someone does in the privacy of their homes, that's their business. Yes, that is true until you start judging. And I think they added the comment, no one should judge. But if you're one that judges, you're going to have, what's the scripture in the Bible about judge not yet lest you be judged and uh, deal with the plank in your own eye before trying to remove the speck out of someone else's eye. You know, if you're going to be rambling on about people's sexual lives and their behaviors and then be doing the same thing yourself, get GTFO. Yeah, and it goes beyond judgment. It is Bridget Ziegler and Christian Ziegler are in positions of power. They are influencing people to vote for Republicans. They are influencing policy that then affects people, adults, and what they do in their private life. So take your own advice, guy who was defending Bridget Ziegler, saying that what an adult does in her private life is hers. I agree, but like, let's apply that principle universally and not just to the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Also, people might be watching this and thinking, okay, it's a little weird. They talked about her husband is like being accused of sexual assault. And then this whole thing was about her and how she participated in a threesome. And I think, you know, I I get that if someone is thinking that, but related to Christian Ziegler, he's under investigation by the police. He's facing similar pressure to resign as chairman of the Republican Party of Florida. He apparently requested a buyout to provide a, quote, soft landing for his potential resignation. He's denying that claim to NBC News, but... He wants to get paid. He wants to get paid before he, he leaves. And so hopefully he will receive the consequences for his actions. And they are definitely very serious, and and that needs to be talked about, too. It is it's wild to me how, obviously, sex scandals are, are bipartisan. They happen on both sides. But the lion's share of the sex scandals in recent memory are from Republicans and from Republicans who claim they stand on a mount next to Jesus judging everyone below. You got your Matt Schlapps and your Matt Gateses and these ding-dongs and, and Roy Moore. And I mean, it's just the, the Donald Trump himself, the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, Roger Stone is another one who used to advertise in Swinger magazines and just lived the lifestyle, which is fine. But don't be the person who casts judgment and turns up your nose as though you are better than everyone while you're doing the very same thing that you opine is evil or immoral or sinful or whatever. Just gross. And we actually see this on the issue of abortion, too. I think maybe the headlines not as frequently as a Republican person being exposed as, you know, having these types of relationships or being a hypocrite in some way. But we do see sometimes headlines where a Republican politician who has been against abortion has paid for an abortion. It's usually with the mistress, too. Yes. And so it comes up in issues related to abortion, too. And we talked on the last episode a lot about Kate Cox. I think when we recorded that episode, she hadn't yet left Texas to obtain that abortion. So she ended up having to leave because um, she couldn't wait for the Texas Supreme Court to give her a ruling. 
Good thing she did leave because ultimately the Texas Supreme Court ruled against her and her doctors. And so this case has really illustrated that in the state of Texas, there is effectively a total ban on abortion because they claim that there are exceptions and and a doctor if they make a claim about the health of the woman. But apparently that's not true because... Kate Cox's doctors did say that her life would be in danger. And the Texas Supreme Court said, well, we actually know better than you. And And not only that, not only that, uh, Ken Paxton ran around to all the doctors making sure they knew they would be under threat of criminal prosecution if they move forward and treated her medically like the experts that they are. And so I think it's important to actually hear from the experts, to hear from the doctors And hopefully we start hearing from the doctors more often because they are the ones that are being impacted by this, in addition to the patients. But there was an interview on PBS with a a doctor, an OBGYN based in Texas, Dr. Amna Dermish. And in this clip, she's going to talk specifically about how she talks to her patients about what is happening in Texas because they're seeing the Kate Cox case. They're seeing the headlines. And so how do they talk to their patients about this? Given that there is a essentially a complete ban on abortion in Texas, these conversations are really hard to have, and they're they're not happening in the way that they should um, and did even you know two years ago. You know, listening to Kate is heartbreaking because nobody should ever be in that situation. You know, we're in a situation where doctors are having to say, "How sick is too sick?" You know, how close to death does somebody need to be, and who is allowed to make that determination? You know, patients aren't allowed to choose their own risk. You know, is it is it a 20 percent risk of death that is good enough to have an abortion in Texas or does it need to be 70 percent? You know, how much blood is too much blood for somebody to lose before we can say that this is an acceptable abortion in the state of Texas? And it's an untenable situation. People are forced into these terrible choices that they're not even allowed to make. And as a physician, it's just, it's heartbreaking to be there. You know, I have the training and the capacity to provide care to these people. I live here in the state of Texas, and I am prevented from providing essential medical care to patients based on my judgment and the patient's desires um, by my state. And that is the point here, is when you write laws, they need to be precise, So everybody knows what exactly is at stake, what are the rules, what are the penalties for breaking those rules. And when you leave it nebulous, like like the doctor says, how much blood loss is enough to save the patient's life? And then you ask the question, if they say 40% or 30% or whatever the number is in the law, which they didn't put it in the law, then what's the mechanism by which they measure the blood to know how much? This is why you don't start down this road and you leave it up to the trained medical professional who has taken an oath, a vow to do no harm, to save lives, and they've dedicated their life to that prospect. You don't get involved in someone's medical care, and that is exactly what this is. And that's why the doctor there is saying that there's effectively a total abortion ban in Texas, because with the Kate Cox case, she had been admitted to emergency care four times in the month previous to her fleeing the state to obtain an abortion. Emergency care four times. Yeah. Her 
her health was on the line. Her life was on the line. And still the Texas Supreme Court said, no, you need to be closer to death than you were yeah. in order to get this abortion. I it, mean, <laughs> it is, uh, again, it's where we predicted we would be. Not just us, but many people out there predicted that this is where we would be when Roe fell. The, the Republican parties across the country in disparate states were going to implement draconian, tyrannical, anti-abortion, anti-woman policies. And here we are. It's uh, no surprise, yet still very, very alarming. I also want to say just quickly, there's been a lot of talk over whether or not Kate Cox can be prosecuted for leaving the state of Texas. I don't think it's useful to talk about that. Number one, because she cannot be prosecuted for leaving the state to get an abortion. Um, the reason I think it's damaging to talk about that and float that as a possibility when it's not true is that it scares people who are going to call an abortion fund um, get help with obtaining an abortion yeah. out of state and ultimately do what Kate Cox did, it could, it could scare people into believing that they will be in trouble for leaving the state when you're not going to be in trouble for leaving the state to go get an abortion. Also, because that's not even on the table, when it ends up not happening, because it's not going to happen, but when it ends up not happening, it can paint in the minds of some people that Republicans, well, at least they're somewhat reasonable. At least they didn't go after her in that way when it's really not even on the table. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to hear what you have to think about this, what you have to say about this based on what you think about this. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. One thing that came up on the last show was uh, a listener wanting us to talk more about Biden's achievements, which is something that we're we're going to implement and put into practice as the the election continues. But Jesse made a point that that President Biden needs to also be out there communicating his achievements and um, doing that work in front of the American people. And I came across a few examples of Democrats who are out there not only talking about Democratic wins in the way that I think Democrats should be, but also talking about Republicans in the way that you should be. And one example here is Minnesota, Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz, who... Solid. He's solid. Yes. I mean, just just listen to the clip. And you said, basically, there's no such thing as a generic Republican. These guys are weird. Once they start running, their yes. weirdness shows up. What did you mean? What, yes, weird I'll stand how? by that. Well, well, look, just just the strange things they become obsessed with, demonizing our children, uh, becoming obsessed with people's personal lives in their bedrooms, restricting freedoms. I'm surrounded by states who are spending their time figuring out how to ban Charlotte's Web in their schools while we're banishing hunger from ours with free breakfast and lunch. That's what the public's looking for. That's what they're trying to get to. And they will weirdly obsess with everything to be mean and cruel and small in their ideas. And I didn't hear anything last night that did anything different to that. So I'll stand by that. I just think Americans know this is just weird stuff to be focused on. And, and, and many of the times, it's just projection. We hear these stories every time. They want to project morality to us. And I say as your elected leaders, you don't need to hear a sermon from us, but you expect us to try and live one. And I think whether it's making sure the middle class has what they need, protecting reproductive rights, truly addressing climate change, governors are doing that across the country. They're 
they're popular with that. And I think we understand we'll be able to do that because of Joe Biden's policies, whether it's the Infrastructure Act, CHIPS Act, bringing manufacturing back to America. Those are things people want to hear about, not demonizing some child because of who they are. Um, at the end of the day, Americans are better than that. Governor Tim. This this is the way to do it. And yeah. in, I think in two ways. Number one, talking about the Democratic wins, the achievements, the things that the Democratic Party does to benefit people and improve their lives. But number two, you don't hear him saying, like Nancy Pelosi does, that we need a strong Republican Party. You don't hear him praising Mitch McConnell. You don't hear him talking like that about Republicans. Because if you want to win yeah. against Republicans, then the focus is on what Democrats are doing and how Republicans stand in the way. And it, it's not just lying. You're not lying when you say that Republicans are standing in the way. They do stand in the way. Right. And you're not <laughs> lying if you call them weirdos either. They're <laughs> very, very weird. And also, by the way, I, wanna, I want to drill down on those examples you gave. Nancy Pelosi has multiple times said we need a strong Republican Party. Uh, um, Joe Biden has called Mitch McConnell an honorable man on multiple occasions, and he's called Kevin McCarthy honest. Oof. And it's the same thing we've said. We need to jettison all of this this old, antiquated nonsense about my good friend from across the aisle and, and call call it like it is that they are they are obstructionists they are they are setting up a situation where they were, will end democracy in America they are not honest they are not honorable and we most certainly do not need any Republican party strong or weak they are they are it's they are an impediment to progress well and that was again made apparent this week when Republicans voted to authorize the Biden impeachment inquiry yeah and of course they themselves will admit that there is no evidence of any wrongdoing for for Joe Biden and so these are the same people they have no evidence of wrongdoing for Joe Biden they're the same people who voted against impeaching Donald Trump for actual crimes and yeah. violations. Yeah. And again, here's another Democrat who is very successful out there uh, promoting what Democrats do and also criticizing the Republican Party, Jamie Raskin. Now, I, I know I have to just not let you go before asking you about impeachment because I know you have some strong views on this. Yes. Comer was caught in a little bit of a hypocr- hypo- hypocritical moment, shall I say. That's a diplomatic way of saying it. Yeah. But what do you make of this Republican party line vote? I mean, that, that to me feels... Um, pretty disheartening, maybe not surprising. Well, what's amazing to me is that you've got an overwhelming number of people in their caucus who voted against impeaching Donald Trump for inciting a violent insurrection right. against our own house, against the Congress, against the vice president. We saw it. There were 150 police officers who were bloodied and wounded and hospitalized from their violent attack in an attempt to overthrow the election and to seize the presidency. They voted no. Now they want to go ahead and launch an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden for a crime unknown. Nobody can identify what the alleged offense is. I said yesterday on the floor that they call uh, murder mysteries whodunits because you start with the murder and you try to figure out who did it. This is a what is it? Nobody even knows what the crime is. And we've been at this for 11 months and they can't identify. Is it about Ukraine? Is it about an auto loan? You know, nobody can identify with any precision what they're talking about. It tells me that the same forces who wanted to unconstitutionally and unlawfully 
prevent Biden from taking office after he won the election by more than 7 million votes, 306 to 232 in the Electoral College, are again unlawfully, unconstitutionally, illegitimately trying to bar him from completing his term. Also, Donald Trump can say, well, I might have four prosecution, four, you know, uh, indictments against me across the country, 91 criminal charges uh, and two impeachments. But this guy is being brought up on impeachment, too. So we're even. I mean, that's the whole point of this. It's a sad moment in history. Thank you for making. The way he outlined that is perfect because that is exactly what they're doing they're just creating see there's no difference between the two candidates joe biden is being impeached too when we know the things for which donald trump was impeached terrible horrible asking for using a bargaining chip of military aid to try to get uh election interference from a foreign leader and then of course the incitement of an insurrection against the country in an attempt to end democracy in america and then what do we have for joe biden uh he repaid a loan to his brother he loved his son (laughs) i mean come on It, it, it is just so nakedly partisan nakedly uh hypocritical and it's all of it is is just politics and weaponizing the power they have in the majority in the house which is why this election coming up is so so important yeah especially as donald trump is now floating that he just has like endless immunity from any of these uh cases that are against him because he was president and jamie raskin took that on too um, to deal with what are very easy legal questions. I mean, when uh, you know Donald Trump says he has immunity for whatever he does as a former president, you mean he can actually go out and shoot someone on Fifth Avenue mm. and he can't be prosecuted? He can rape people, as we know uh, he might have some predilection to do, and he can't be prosecuted because he's immunized against everything, conspiracy to overthrow the government, steal documents and so on. I mean, it's absurd. The other argument, of course, is double jeopardy, which is even more laughable. The idea that because you go through impeachment and a Senate trial, it would be double jeopardy to try you for things that might you know, in, uh, you know, interact with or overlap with charges that were brought before. The Constitution itself in Article 1, uh, Section 7, Clause 3, I think it is, uh, specifically refutes that. It says that, that if you go, if you're being impeached, that extends only to removal from office and disqualification from office. But prosecution and trial at law will lie nonetheless later on so it's an explicit refutation of that argument i mean that is a one paragraph dismissal of that absurd argument very few people can cite specific clauses of the constitution i think it's important for me to remind viewers now he's amazing i I mean (laughs) i was gonna say something completely different but jamie raskin is a guy that i very much look up to i think he is we need more jamie raskins in congress we need more jamie raskins in leadership because of his acuity about the constitution and the issues but coupled with with an ability to communicate those ideas yeah a great presidential candidate yeah he really really would be yeah so here here's the deal Republicans, all they're doing, they know they cannot win on the merits of their ideas, so they don't even put forward ideas anymore. What they do is just try to obscure the messaging and and try to look make a, a, a scandal and um, unethical uh, nonsense out of thin air. We have criticism for Joe Biden when it's necessary. 
There is none to be had here. Joe Biden has done nothing wrong. There is ze- if they had evidence, trust me, they would be they would have it out there. It would not be well. We're going to get it to you in six, uh, seven to ten days, or we're going to have a press conference, and then oh, they're trying to obstruct our. Oh, we have a uh, a whistleblower and a and a oh oh an informant. Oh, but they're missing. We don't know where they are. It, it's been comical from from the get go, and they're so shameless and so dignity free that they just press on because they're not acting for the the reasonable members of our community and our society. They're acting for the MAGA mob who doesn't care about the truth, does not care about the accuracy of the claims or what, what the evidence may be. Yes. Ugh. Yep. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think about this 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Moving on. Taking care of biz. Well, this one may be controversial, but the Taking Care of Biz today is a group of volunteers that are going against California law to help prevent overdoses in the form of running an unauthorized supervised consumption site. A supervised consumption site is where people come, use drugs that they already have, already use in a way that is safe. We're in the Tenderloin in San Francisco, and uh, these are volunteers behind me on their way to set up what's known as a supervised consumption site. Their goal here is to, they say, save lives, but they also say it's an act of civil disobedience because what they're doing is illegal in the state of California. Supervised consumption, or letting people use drugs under the supervision of someone who can reverse an overdose, is a harm reduction strategy we've reported on for six years. From Toronto... They're using a loan in their home? What if they overdose? To New York. No more improperly discarded syringes on the streets. Where organizations say they've reversed over 1,200 overdoses in two years. During the pandemic, San Francisco had a similar sanctioned facility. Then last August, California Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed a bill that would allow illegal drug use under medical supervision, and the city closed the site. Researcher Alex Kroll says the site was effective. Since it's been closed, this year we're going to see over 800 of these deaths. Lydia Branston's one of the volunteers at today's unsanctioned pop-up. This is it. This is it. It's very simple. We just need a space where people can come under the observations of trained peer counselors to watch people while they're using their drug and not die. You know you're breaking the law. Are you worried about the consequences? The consequence that I'm worried about is for the person who uses drugs by themselves and accidentally overdoses and dies. Outside the tent, a line had formed of people who had heard they could come to pick up clean drug supplies and to use drugs they brought themselves. That's where we met 29-year-old Ariel. How long have you been using drugs? For like 13 years. Why do you come here? Um, because we're around people. If anybody overdoses, they have Narcan. Your mother died of an overdose just recently? Yeah, just recently. Uh, how long ago? Um, about like a month ago. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, she went by herself home yeah, and she OD'd. Can you see a day, Ariel, where, where you, you want to stop using drugs? Yeah, definitely. And you think that coming here... Could it ever be a first step for you to to maybe finding a way to stop using drugs? Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. They have a lot of help down here. We followed Ariel into the tent where she and others were smoking fentanyl. There's probably about 10 people in there now who are using, and she's going to hang out in there until uh, she feels comfortable enough uh, to leave. While Ariel was inside, across the alley, another man caught the volunteer's attention. There's a gentleman, and they suspect that it's a possible overdose, so some of the workers here are actually going up to him and checking on him in case he does need an intervention of Narcan uh, to reverse a potential overdose. Then Ariel emerged. You were able to use her, all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. What are you doing now? I'm grabbing some supplies real quick. Yeah, can I get some more tinfoil, straws? Um, you want our can? Huh? Yeah, please. Ariel was one of 150 people who used drugs at the site that Saturday, and it wasn't shut down. An outrage to critics who say these sites are a nuisance in the community. But advocates say it keeps drug users alive, so they might one day ask for help quitting. Jacob Soberoff, NBC News, San Francisco. So I said this might be controversial because I think a lot of people struggle to accept that this is something that is helpful. And I'll just tell a story really quick about um, a friend that I was with and they were complaining that on the way to school when they're walking their kid to school in D.C. that they see bloody needles in the street and they see people overdosing. And I said, well, do you support supervised consumption sites? And and they didn't know what it was. So I explained it and they they said, huh, well, do they make them go to treatment? And I thought to myself, well, you're moving the goalposts now. And this is typically what ends up happening because you start complaining about people overdosing in public, there being needles in the street. Well, there's solutions to that. And it's supervised consumption sites where people can go and safely use drugs. The needles uh, are no longer being out in the street. In fact, these teams go out and collect needles from the street. And so those problems are solved. But then it becomes about, well, how do you force people to get sober? Because that's really what people want is to force people to get sober when what they're getting from supervised consumption sites is community. People care about them. They uh, there's a decrease in low level drug arrests. There's no increase in crime in the community. You're keeping people alive. There may be people that watch this package and say, oh, my God, she went in that tent and smoked fentanyl. How did she survive? If you are near fentanyl, you die. Right. (laughs) That's what cops think. So listen, if you're thinking that while you're watching that, we're on two different levels having this conversation because you you yeah. have to have like a baseline understanding of drugs in order to be in this conversation. The, the, the other the other aspect of this that I think pe- people miss out on, this, these aren't like recreational users. These people are addicted. This is a medical condition that they are going to use because their brain tricks them into thinking they will die if they don't get that substance. We need to stop criminalizing and demonizing people. And actually, I used to be someone who it didn't make sense to me in my brain, a supervised consumption site. And it's been been because of education and learning about it and what the benefits are and how many human lives are saved at every single one. I mean, New York City has these. It has one at least. Two. And it is phenomenally successful at saving human Lives, And if that isn't enough, then I don't know what your priorities are. Yeah. Anyway, this too, we'd love your opinions on. 657-464-7609. Of course, as always, you can email a voice memo or a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. This is where we're going to leave you. We would invite you to look into becoming a patron on Patreon, helping support this work, helping produce this work, helping us move the conversation forward on an episode-by-episode basis. You can go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast 
and check it out there. And if you become a patron by the end of the year, you get the end of the year Patreon gift like all the rest of the Patreon family. We love and appreciate you very much. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.